Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. I just want to say that as, as somebody who has had to sit in his hands and stay, stay away from the coal face and step back, I've just seen the body of Christ in such an amazing way, especially Coastal and what you're doing. And I just want to commend you. And I'd like you to give yourself an award, applaud. So if, uh, say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, the last time I spoke was July 16th. And um, straight after preaching the message on knowing your enemy, I landed up in the ER. Thank you to Jerry who, who took me there. Um, not knowing that having a stroke the week before, that it wasn't a good thing to get up in the pulpit and just uh, preach the following week. Um, I have since learned the lesson, so um, just uh, grateful that I get to speak today. I'm deeply grateful and thankful to Valerie, who's been able to step into some of the stuff I've had to my shoes and be able to defend and just look after and just filter stuff to me, and so it wouldn't... Um, overbearing. I want to say thank you to the elders. They've just done a great job of just uh, in, in being there, the leaders, the preaching team, the, the ministry teams, you guys, um, who seamlessly continued to carry the life of Coastal um, uh, as I had to step back. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you. It's just been marvelous to see. Thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so today's message is wrapped up in the heart of God. And I want to just really um, emphasize that this message is, is what I feel is a primary concern and, and something that is carried in the heart of God, and um, I want us to be able to have a look at it today. Uh, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And many times we've taken that as finances and where your, where, where your finances is, that's where your, that's where your treasure is. But I want to just say that there is a treasure that God has, and that's where his heart is. And for me, I want to know where God is your heart, because I want to go after your treasure, because that is what touches you. And, um, and my message, and the title of my message is wrapped up in the heart of what God is, 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 is after, and his treasure. And, it's, uh, and I've titled it, The Heart for the Lost. The heart for the lost. Do you want to know where God's heart is, where God's treasure is? You look for the lost. That's where he's at. And I want to draw from Scripture today to help us understand the weightiness of it. In Luke 19, 10, um, it says that Jesus says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save who are lost. Do you understand? He was on a mandate to seek and to save those who are lost. And, uh, and con- Jesus was continually drawn to the lost, not the religious, um, to the sinner, not to the self-righteous. He was always found there. And, um, and in Luke 15, which is where we're going to be uh, uh, visiting today, Luke 15, Jesus was found by the religious people sitting with the tax collectors and the notorious sinners. I was just saying in the previous service that all the mics and the Joeys and the Jerrys and the Toms and the Rods all fall into that notorious sinner bunch that, um, be, be, before, before Jesus. And uh, so I can relate. And, um, and so the, 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 the religious were, were, were just giving Jesus the business for being 
in that group. And I'll just start with verse 1 in, in chapter 15. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Understand that? I want us to be ready for those that are, are, are just away from God, who are totally lost, to come in and want to sit and listen and hear about the goodness of God. I want you to be ready to understand that we're going to have in our, in our um, company people that don't know Jesus and they're going to get to know Jesus because we've allowed them to be part of our company. That's what we've got to be. We've got to be that house for the lost. And so here we have um, the, 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 the notorious sinners and tax collectors um, pursuing Jesus to listen to him teach. And this made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Verse three is, and Jesus just told them a story. I mean, how's that? Jesus comes back and a rebuttal and it's a story. And I wanna just tell you that Jesus is an incredible storyteller. He communicates in such a way that still today, 2000 years later, his words he spoke, the stories he told are still transforming lives today. That's the amazing uh, gift that, that, that Jesus was. And basically because the scripture tells us that Jesus says the words that I speak are, not, are spirit in our life. So you understand as, as born again spirit-filled believers, when you start speaking the now word of God, like Maria gets up here and says, I want to touch you. And when we, we hear that, and it goes off as a zoom-zoom word inside us, and we respond to it, then lives are touched and changed. That's what happens when Jesus was speaking. That's what happens when we, in a, in a, in a prayerful and a Holy Spirit-led way, we get to see people's lives touched and changed when there's a zoom-zoom word that comes through us and touches people's lives. That's just part of Rod's vocabulary, zoom-zoom word, in case you didn't know about it. And the stories were not just to pass time or to entertain. The stories were from the, for the heart of man to help them never forget. And we ought to understand, we may forget the principles and we may forget the teachings um, that are taught, but we always remember stories. We always remember stories. And coming from a family of nine and 11 of us at the table with mom and dad, after we've eaten and gorged ourselves, I don't know how mom and dad could keep the food on the table. I had, three, uh, had two boys that ate, me, ate us out of house and home all all their lives. And my dad would sit and tell stories. And I can go back as far as I can remember as a young buck, and I could remember all the stories he told. And those stories all revolved around his life and the life that he lived and the environment. And that's what happens when stories are told. So when Jesus comes back as a rebuffle to these religious um, snark um, comments that they were making because he's hanging around with sinners uh, he tells them a story, and I want us to unpack the story today. Starting at verse, verse 4, it says, if a man has a hundred sheep. Now, you understand now, he's been told off that he's hanging around sinners and, and notorious sinners and, and tax collectors, and he comes back with this. He doesn't, doesn't come back with any scripture. He just comes back with a story. If a man had a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do, asks his audience. It's a mixed audience now because it's tax collectors and sinners and religious, and he's telling the story. Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go and search 
for the ones that, uh, that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and his neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and turns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Just such, such, such an emphasis and uh, uh, um, viewpoint that just must be seen today as we look at the treasure that God has in the lost. How many of us have been lost? Any shape or form? Oh, okay, well, I'm, not, I'm in good company then. I have been lost in the wilds of Africa, which is easy to be done, especially when you're when you, in, a, in a mountainous range of granite and stuff and your compass just goes around in circles and it doesn't show you where north is and there's no stars in the sky and you can't see the sun because of the hill range and stuff. It is a daunting thing, but anyway, yes, I have been lost there and I've been lost in the concrete jungles of America, uh, the concrete jungles um, of New York particularly. And that's not hard to do, especially. And Val has this thing that um, if you get lost, it's, it's far more fun getting lost with somebody else than you're not alone. So she has this thing. But anyway, when she got lost with me, I didn't think it was funny either because she didn't have any help in getting me out of the situation when we did drive through New York. So, but we fortunately have fancy devices now, GPSs uh, and Google Maps and Waze and Maps.me which are incredible tools when, you ha when you've traveled, and especially when, um, like in Japan recently, I mean, that, 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 kitchen, uh, that chicken scratch that they have as writing is quite hard to try and decipher what are they saying, and so we'd like to take a picture of it, and then Google tells us this is what they're saying. It's broken English, but you got an idea of what is happening. I want to just say getting lost geographically is one thing, but getting lost spiritually has dire consequences on, on, on one's soul and one's life and one's future. And this is what we've got to understand, that there is a, a, a lost that we must be careful that we need this GPS to help us and pull us right and bring us through. I just want us to see that. So Jesus, in these three stories, because in, in Luke 15, I just hit the first story. There's two other stories which you can take home and go and read, but there's three stories and he tells these three stories about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. And these, these are, um, are, are one, one after another, really, I think, giving it to the religious audience that, that was there to make the point. The story expresses the owner's heart for what was lost. Each one of it, it was the sheep's owner, the coin owner, and the, fa and the father of the son. It was always the emphasis on the owner. That was in, in the story. Jesus' story expresses the heart of God and exposes the heartless position of, a religious, of the religious. Jesus' love and heart um, attracted sinners to come to him and to be with him. So my question is, are we being attractive to the lost? Is the faith that we live attractive to the lost? Because something was attractive to what Jesus was saying. There is the goodness of God that draws a man to repentance. And so there must have been an attraction there. And I want to ask, how is our? Do they say, I want what they have? I want what she has. Because there's an attraction. And I tell you, 
to get to the root of it, man, we have an attractive gospel. It's good and great and fantastic news and that we need to understand that. So is it attractive? And the religious were, were disgusted with Jesus' tolerance of the sinners. And Jesus did not correct the religious, but he just exposed them with these, these stories. The three stories reveal the religious heart and emphasizes God's love for, for humanity. And it's a wonderful thing when you are being communicated to and get told this is where you're at. And it's, it's a powerful thing. I, you know, it, when I get with these, these devices and I want to know where, I, first thing, there's a little icon there. I hit it and it tells me, oh, this is where you're at. You've got this little blue, blue dot. Okay, that's where I'm at. Because the map is no good to me if I don't know where I'm at on the map. I found that in the military quite often when they just throw you in the, in the wilds and just drop a map in your lap and they say, okay, it's of no good to me until I find out where I am on the map. And that is sometimes very difficult. But when you have the people and the likes of Jesus and you people telling the people about the gospel, they can locate themselves and they say, I'm missing the mark. I'm actually not going to heaven. I am going to hell because I didn't know this. And so these are the things. The three stories each have four verbs, which I was quite impressed with myself that I would communicate this to you today because sometimes I don't know what a verb is, okay? As interesting as that, I've never passed an English exam. I'm still working at it. So everybody says, how many languages do you speak? I said, well, I'm still working on English, okay? So we're on that. But there are four verbs of, in each, three, each, each of the stories, the three stories. It's about losing and about seeking, about finding and about rejoicing. And I want to just unpack some of this because it kind of brings some real truths home about the heart of the Father and maybe locate us. The first one is about the lost. And Luke 4, it says about if the man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost. You see the sheep strayed away from the flock and got lost in the wilderness. The coin rolled away from the 10 other coins and landed in a place of darkness and was lost to the owner. The son takes its, his inheritance and goes and joins a lost world. That's, where, that's what happens here in these, lost, in these stories. The lost are the ones who have left the one who owns them. We're talking about those that are lost. They have left the ones who own them. And so that's, we got to see that. And um, the owner's plan is to find that what is lost. So God so loved the world. So for God so loved us, the lost, that he made a plan to find and rescue us. That's the heart because his treasure is the lost. That's his treasure. He had to make a plan. And so he made a plan. Uh, most, most of us, well, all of us need to remember not to lose the weightiness of this word lost. Because we are brushing shoulders with people all around us that are lost. They are so lost and we need to be aware of it. We need to be mindful. And I hope by the end of today, we'd be mindful and we'll bring into focus the lost, the treasure of God, so we can... Um, 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 engage in it and, and get involved in it. Because sinners are lost. They're away from their creator. We can just look at the mess of the world today and realize people are away from God. Because man left to himself devolves, doesn't evolve. They left to themselves devolve. They go to barbarism and all that junk that goes with selfish living. And that's what happens. But when, when you're walking with God and you're not lost, there is a whole lot of influence that comes in from being with God. And so we got to see that. And so here man is lost when he can't define his present. He can't explain why he's here. 
I'm here because I live and I eat and I breathe and I spend money and then I go and make some more money and I eat and I breathe and I sleep and I make some more money and then I die. What purpose is that? And many of us don't know our purpose and why we're here. And you're lost if you don't. I know that as Christians, we understand we have a purpose. There is no plan B. We're wired for plan A here and right now. So the lost. And thus they can't plan his, their future. So if you don't know why I'm here for the present, why, how can you effectively plan for your future and be where God wants us, wants us to be? Because we're lost. Lost is when we are gripped in the fog of fear and anxiety and hatred and vengeance, which is, there is a whole lot of that happening. Man is lost when he can't judge uh, judges issues fairly, when he's calling good, bad, and bad, good. And we're seeing a whole bunch of that ha happening. And um, sadly enough, it's because people are lost. And that's what happens. Man is lost when addiction is the best escape that keeps them lost. It's so much easier just to stay numbed by my addiction than get up and walk into my purpose and my destiny and call yourself lost. A man is lost when he can't manage defeat, disappointment, and discouragement because they have no hope, because the hope is the anchor of the soul. We get tossed by every wave of doctrine and every media post. We get tossed around. Suddenly they make an announcement on television that this is happening or that's happening, or it comes up on, on some media that you, you, you're looking at, and it throws your whole world into a pickle. Why? Because you're not rock solid on the Savior and the one who gives us life. I don't care what happens. I win. What shall separate me from the love of God? Shall trials, tribulations, things present, things to come, death, nothing. You kill me, I win. There's nothing that separates me. So you've you got to make sure that you're not found lost. Lost and meandering in the wilderness. Man without God is lost, unable to define his present nor plan his future. The lost in, in, in life today and, and will be lost in eternity and to live in that condition is a sad situation. And, and, and like, like, some, like, like the lost coin, it rolls away from sight, from light into a dark, into a dark place. And we've seen people roll away because they, they, they took a wrong turn or they got involved with the wrong relationship or they, they bought into a lie. There's a lot of lies out there that has been persuaded as truth. And even AI will sell you some junk because it's not saved. AI is not saved. It's not sanctified. It's not redeemed. I want to just warn you, so don't put your life on it. It's junk. It'll grab you by the nose and pull you around. And some get lost like sheep. Look aside, stray away from the flock and be tempted and enticed away. And many have, have fallen into that, that bitter trap where COVID started it, where they needed to stay in isolation. Well, you stay away, and I tell you what, you become lunch for the lion. You become lunch for the enemy. Why? Because the enemy likes to nyanya in your ear, and you don't have other people talking sense to you and telling you the truth. You are sold by the lie, and you remain lost. And how about the son? The son was lost. He, he demanded his inheritance. He walked away bloated with pride and arrogance singing the song from Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. How did that work out for you, buddy? You came back crawling, broke, smelling like a pig pen. That's what happened. 
Before Christ, we're a lost church. We're a lost people without Christ. Sadly, some are born into a lost, damaged, dysfunctional family. And I know that happens. But we're changing it because our families are in Christ and our children are growing up in Christ and our children have a better opportunity and a, be- and a better privilege because Christ has come into their life. I, didn't, I wasn't born into a Christian home. I, my younger sister and myself came to Christ first and then the rest of my family came to Christ and the whole in, um, evolvement into the next generation of, of Christ-centered families have come because of that. And I wanna just say that we have the opportunity to make that happen in the lives of all those around us because God's treasure is in the lost. And so we need to, to look at that. So I get so sidetracked and excited that I'll lose my place in my notes. How soon? We have been disillusioned, deceived by life and religion and that a religion has done us no favors. Some have been surrounded by the, the world of hurt and pain and lies. And, uh, and, and, and before Christ, we were in this dark place of sin. I didn't have a hope. I, did, I, I knew that if Jesus pitched up, I would be in trouble because I wasn't a goody two-shirts. I was a notorious sinner, as I told you before. And so when somebody came and told me Jesus has already paid the price, that, that, uh, that I'm free, I tell you what, that was a happy day. And it's still a happy day for me, even, uh, even these many 40-something years later. It's exciting to know that I'm saved. Hallelujah. And I want to say that the, 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 this causes destruction and discord and damage when you're lost, not only to you, not only to the others that are around you, but also to the owner. It causes damage and hurt to the owner. And that's what you've got to realize in, in, your, in your lost position. And, um, and so the owner's plan is to seek those that are lost. And yes, the story is about lost, but the story is also about the owner seeking us, looking for us. In verse four, it says, he leaves the 99 others in the wilderness and goes and seeks the one that is lost. We have a God whose heart is for the lost. So he hasn't given up. I know that he will pursue you right to your very last breath. And I know this because I would... I did not know for a long time because my dad was a hard man. He never t- spoke about Christ. Christ came into our family way after he passed away when I was 12 years old. And so when I, um, um, eight years later, I was in, in, in the church that we were involved with and a lady came up to us and, and said, Are you, uh, did, did you, was your dad Sidney Ben James Palmer? I said, yes, it was. He says, um, I nursed him on the last day before he passed. And he says, and I led him to Christ that day. It ain't over till it's over because we've got a God that seeks us right to the very end. If there's anybody, tell you what. So I'm going to see my dad. He'll seek us out. He comes to seek and save the lost. Christianity is separated from any other faith on planet earth. All the other ones, you've got to work it out and you've got to jump through hoops and you've got to make make sure your faults, your failures and your flaws are sorted out before you come to a holy God. I just got a God that comes to me in my mess, grabs my hand and says, let's walk together, we'll clean you up as we go. That's Christianity. He comes and finds me in my cesspit and in my mess and, 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 and takes me home. He says, let's go home, my boy, let's go home. And that's what we've got to understand. God has made a way 
to us and for us. He made a way through Jesus so he could get to us, so that curtain could be ripped open in the temple, so he could, we could have access to him, he could have access to us, but he also, that, 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 that knowing that we have access to him is, is, is so wonderful. It's about finding us. That's what he wanted. And, um, and some of us may th- have thought that we found God. Well, I want to just let you know that's, that's, that's wrong doctrine. He found us. His love pursued us. His love came down and rescued me. It suddenly I opened my eyes and somebody told me the good news. And his love captured me. I didn't find nothing. I didn't know where to look to find anything. I didn't know where to look. And Jesus, he is the seeker and he's the lover of our soul. Thank God he's the seeker. Uh, he, that our seeker does not play the percentages. I want to bring that to your attention. He doesn't play the percentages. And so the, the sheep owner did not cut his losses and go on as, as today's business people would do and say, yeah, that's just one out of 100. Good luck. Wolf, enjoy them. Have a snack on me. No, he didn't say that. Val and I had a similar thing when, when God called us to come and plant a church here and flag the beach. And God had a, a bit of a conversation with me, and he said, so for how many people would you go to Flagler County for, Rod? And um, so I wasn't that spiritual. I just remember that Abraham this, had this kind of conversation with God one day when he was debating how many people would you save Sodom and Gomorrah from. So were there 50 righteous, and he came all the way down to 10. I don't know why he, Abraham stopped at 10, because if he went all the way down, he would have cornered God into two, and then Sodom and Gomorrah would have uh, kind of still been around. But they got nuked because there was less than 10 righteous in that place. So I just came up and said, God, for 10 families. Now the 10 families is what I would go, Val and I would go and pack up all that we loved and everything else there and come here. Do you understand it's more comfortable to be out of God's will than be comfortable and uncomfortable in Let me try that again. It's better to be uncomfortable and in God's will than be comfortable and out of God's will. And so we came here and had that same debate. Now we're talking percentages now. And so look at the percentages in in these three stories. The sheep owner, it was 1% loss, that sheep. I wouldn't have bothered to go and find the sheep because I would have kicked its butt all the way back to the, to the, to the flock. But I, I promise I won't shepherd you like that, okay? Uh, if, you're, if you're lost, I'll come find you and I'll, I'll do what the sheep owned. How about the woman? 10 coins, 10% loss. Father, two sons, 50% loss. So the one who's seeking us seeks us regardless of the percentages. If you're the only one in Flagler County, he would come for you. He would send his son for you. And that's, that's the heart of the God who seeks the lost because that's his treasure. And so God was relentless in getting us. Man, he, 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 he set the, the serpent's fate in, 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 in Genesis all the way through the Old Testament. He communicated with prophetic promises, I'm coming to get my people. And eventually he came by Holy Spirit, had Jesus conceived in Mary, born in a manger, had him um, um, uh, grow up in a world, a lost world, a fallen world with all its temptations and all its challenges. 
to eventually get sentenced and crucified and buried and raised on the third day, all so that the lost could get saved, that there would be access to the lost and the lost could have access to God. And that is the price the seeker paid to come for us. And so we need to understand that as saved people, when we take communion, it reminds us of the incredible cost to the Savior to find us and pay for us to set us free. So I just want to say there was a high price. And it's not only about the lost and about him seeking, but it's the wonderful story, part of the story that finds the lost. He finds the lost. And when he has found the sheep, he will, rejo- he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. The reward of the finding and being found. It's God, the the one who, the the owner finding the sheep. You understand that God rejoices because he's found you, but just imagine how happy the sheep is and he gets found. He is a happy camper because he knows he was about to be breakfast for somebody if his owner didn't come and find him. I know that would have been godless eternity if God didn't come and find me. I was going to a godless eternity because that's how it's wired. That's how it's wired. And so finding Christ as Lord and Savior um, as a lost person changes your whole plan, your whole future. I was never going to be journeying to do what I'm doing now. And, but when, when God comes in, he puts you on track and he sends you out on your destiny. The tender term that's used that he picks up the sheep and puts them on his shoulders and, and takes him home. There is a reality and a truth in that that we need to understand. Uh, that that, that we're finding Christ as Lord and Savior, finding him, and that God, God comes, that God the Father comes and picks us up and carries us by his grace home. So when we think we're saved and we're this goody two-shoes and we are holy, holy, holy little rollers, I want to just let you know that you are on Jesus' shoulders, on Father God's shoulders with his grace going home. So I can't um, blow my trumpet about anything that's happening except that it's done by God's grace. It's not by works and my, my merit at all. None of our merits even make a dent on the equation. It's, I'm being carried home by His grace. And that's so important that you understand that. Like I said, I would have kicked that sheep all the way back home. But here we're getting picked up and carried. Now if I can express that of the heart of the Father. And the last thing is, is there was a rejoicing. And, and when he arrived in verse six, it says, um, he will call together his friends and his neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. Man, there was, there, there was a lot of joy happening and great joy in heaven. And, uh, and Jesus goes on and says this in verse seven. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. I want us to just understand this. So every time you get to get one of those treasures, the lost person that comes and says yes to Jesus, it breaks out in a party in heaven because it, you've got to understand, it is not a pleasant thing to go to a godless eternity. It is not a pleasant thing. And a high price was paid 
so we could go to a God-filled eternity. And there is a great, great celebration. But at the same time, with the same sentence, Jesus needles the, the religious audience right there. And he says this. It says this, then over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Do you understand we all need to repent? Do you understand that the, 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 the joy of a one sinner trumps the 99 righteous uh, religious and the self-righteous? When you think that you've made it, you've made the cut, that you've, you've hopped through the hoops and, and that God deserves to have you in heaven? Good Lord, wake up and smell the roses. And those righteous, those religious around there, they needed to hear that and Jesus needed to needle them good and proper because they were so deceptive to the audience. And so God is emphasizing his heart for the lost, even though those lost around him were saturated with sin, saturated with sin, but they were hopeless and helpless sheep. He knows that we are hopeless and helpless. God, this is, I'm, I'm a mess. And he says, I know, you can't do this without me. So hang on to my coattails. Let's go for a ride. I'll take you to your calling, your destiny, your future, and your purpose. Come on. That's what he wants us to do. And so he takes us home. So pride and arrogance will blind and deceive one. And Jesus declares um, what brought him great joy was the repentance, the metanoia, the changing of a heart of, of somebody from being away and lost to, to turning to God. That's metanoia. They change their mind. And I want to just say that you got an opportunity to change people's minds about the good news, the gospel, about Jesus. There's a lot of, a lot of rubbish that they've been, they've been fed and been told and been modeled and, and that, that we need to, we've got, we got to correct the stage. We've got to correct the, 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 the narrative. We've got to correct this. And, and it's upon us. We're the ones that have to do that. So I want to just kind of close with just some thoughts and, and a challenge for us as we, as we go forward because I feel Holy Spirit wants us to be more related to this story for today. If the lost um, is God's treasure, then we must focus on that. We've got to understand if that is God's treasure, I want to go after God's treasure. I want to go where his heart's at. That's what I want to do. To find the lost, which is our mandate, church, one must go to where the lost are. We can't expect to sit on our uh, salvation sofa and expect those lost to come to us. It's not going to happen. We have to get there. We have need a commission to go into the, all the world. That's what we are, what are commissioned to do. Somehow we've stopped being fishers of men, but keepers of aquariums. And it's my holy huddle and my little group of friends that I hang with and that, that, that they quick kick back with and we watch Miami Dolphins with, but we don't invite, we don't invite the lost to come and cheer you on because you need all the help you can get, Miami Dolphins. You need all the lost help you can to, to, to get there. Go on, Harla. I love you. So I just want to just say that we're commissioned um, to go because it's, it's God's heart. It's, it's, it's in, wrapped up in the story. We've got to understand that that is God's heart. He says, I'm coming for the lost. I'm coming for the one. I'm coming for those that, 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 that need salvation. And that's God's heart. And if we can adjust our hearts to that, I'll tell you what, it starts affecting everything. We need to take what's important uh, to God and be important to us.
We need to do that. It requires being intentional to go after the lost. So last night, um, I asked Valerie to print these little pretty hearts and, and make these lines behind it. And, and, I've, and then I printed them on my little copier at home. And then I cut them. And I got blisters folding them. <laughs> and I've now put them in front of you for a reason. I've got three lines there. And I can say, okay, we need to go after the lost. And you can wrap off a whole list of people that you believe in God for lost. No, no, no. I want you to prayerfully ask God for three names on here that's going to take every bit of blood, sweat, and tears for you to reach them, pray for them, focus on them, do everything in your power to make sure you've gone after them and given them an opportunity to come to, come to salvation. So just don't take it lightly and just randomly write three names there because it's going to take all your blood, sweat, and tears. Because sometimes you have to fight for the lost. There is a serpent, a demon that is fighting for the lost souls. And so I'm asking you, and I'm using this because it is a point of focus. If I ask you to focus on the stage, and I'm asking you to, to can you, can, is there anything that you're particularly focused on? No, I've asked you to focus on the stage, so you're looking at the whole stage. But if I ask you to focus on this microphone, all your attention, all your sight is going to that microphone. Well, I am asking you to focus on this because there is more space in heaven. It is not full yet. We need to do everything we can to reach the lost. So I worked it out. There, if three names were put on each one of these, we're gonna bring 900 names if all these cards are filled into focus. Yo, those lost people better get ready because God's coming. And I also want you to say, this church, don't pray that they get saved. I want you to know that their salvation is already prepaid. Jesus went and paid for all their sins. Salvation is prepaid. All we're looking at is a pre-saved person that has to RSVP the invitation. It's not a sin issue anymore because Jesus took care of that at Calvary. He prayed for all our sins, past, present, and future. Don't think you're going to take every step right as you walk out this building. I know that you're all not goody two-shoots, and we're going to have to call on his grace because we're going to mess it up. That's why he needs to pay for our sins going forward as we intentionally do the right thing. But I want to just say that God has... These are pre-saved people waiting. I want you also to know that you may not, in all your blood, sweat, and tears, get them to say yes to Jesus. But they could be here as totally anti-God. How can God do this? And how can God do that? And you come into their company because you've invited them to your Christmas dinner. And you're sharing about how God loved them and how God's done this. You know what you've done? You've brought them to salvation they may not have given their life to Christ, but they are not anti-God anymore because your, 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 your sacrifice, your commitment to communicate to them has brought them closer to salvation. They said, oh, let me have another look at this God. And when they have another look at this God, then so somebody else comes into their picture 
and then they come closer, and eventually they come to salvation. When I suddenly make an appeal here, they come to Christ. Meantime, you've been sweating it out there, taking them meals and inviting them and loving them and giving them hope and praying with them when they're sick and all those, those things that God will make you do so that they can come to Christ. And I'm just saying this to you, that we have so many people that need to come to Christ. And if this be my last sermon, God forbid, may I just press you to go for God's treasure, which is his lost. They're around every corner. They're behind every tiller. They're in every office. Come church, let's, let's write them names down. I've made it small enough so you can put it into your wallet, stick it up on your refrigerator, put it in your purse so that you can continually say, God, I pray. How can I get this? God, give me. Suddenly, God will say, I need you to call them or I need you to send them a text message. I need you to send them some flowers. Maybe you need to to do this for them or that for them. God is going to start saying, if you're engaged in this, I'm with you because he has pursued us so aggressively from heaven, you think he's going to back off now for those other lost? No chance. And we still have enough chairs in the, in the building to take them so that they can worship with us. And we have to have multiple, more, multiple services. That's okay with us. We'll just be graced to do it. Amen. So I want us to come and let's, 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 let's seek and find and celebrate and rejoice because there are lost people that are going to come to Christ. And I'm excited about it, and I'm ready for it. And I hope you are ready for it. But I, I really I challenge you today to go after that. Let's pray. Father, today your word has revealed what your treasure is, and your treasure is the lost people. And from the story, Father, that you're more interested in going after the lost sheep than taking care of the sheep that are found. And so, Father, let our priorities be in such a way that we would press and push hard after the lost in our, in our sphere, in our, in our arena, Lord. Father, would you just give us favor as we name these names, Lord, and put them down, you give us favor so we can get the gospel to them, so we can get them the good news. We bring our focused attention onto these names that you're going to give us, Lord, so salvation may come, so you can bring them home. Father, we ask that you make a way where sometimes we think there is no way you do that in Jesus' name. You may be in the sound of my voice or be with us in live stream. And you said, well, I I am lost. I definitely am lost and um, I need to come home. I just want to tell you it's the easiest thing. Jesus is waiting for you with arms open wide. Heaven's about to crack a party if you do. So if you're in that place and you haven't responded to Christ and you haven't come the place and allow him to be your leader, your shepherd, your Lord. Pray with us today. Churches, would you, would you pray out loud and, and help those that may be around you, maybe 
hearing the gospel, the good news today for the first time, I want to respond and invite Jesus. Let's pray out loud and say, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God and that you died on that cross for me. You paid for my sins. You found me. You made a way for me to come home. Today I come home. Today I give you my heart. I give you my life. I call you Lord. I call you my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you hear the bottles popping. A party is breaking out in heaven. Woo. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. I want to close with a story that was precious to me as, as I was uh, about to leave Zimbabwe and I was uh, working as an electrician there. I, a youngster that was working with me on a, on a big, huge wheat mill, biggest wheat mill in the Southern Hemisphere. We were wiring it. It was a new construction. I was an electrician and he wanted to commit suicide and I, I got to him to find him on the edge at the lunch, at a lunch break and I, we spoke him down and I eventually led him to where he, he accepted Christ. And so we had a big, huge electrical panel. It was going to take us six months to wire. And so we sat next to each other and I was discipling him and telling him about baptism and talk, telling him about the Word of God and telling him about life with Christ and stuff. And I had a guy next to me this side. He was a qualified electrician and his name was Mike. The gun figure. Mike's followed me all over the place. We have a lot of Mike's. And he was a real naysayer. And he would just continually badger me and, and, and poo-poo all the things I was saying about the gospel and the good news. And here I'm discipling this youngster and he was just messing up my testimony and my communi communication. Eventually I said, hey, Mike, you want to go to hell? That's fine. But those two young boys of yours, you got to give them a chance to make their own mind up. Otherwise, they're going to go to hell with you. So he came back and he says, I thought what you said yesterday. He says, um, yeah, I'll bring them to church. I'll, I'll leave them with you. Take them to children's church. I said, okay. And I said, then you can go for coffee and I'll call you when they're done and we'll pick them up. So he did that one Sunday. And then the kids had to go back with homework from kids' church. And so he had to now do, open the Bible, find a Bible, buy a Bible. And so he started going with, with that. And so eventually he came and he said, can I sit in the foyer? Well, they had kids' church. And a couple of weeks went by like that. And he said, well, can I come in and just sit in the back row? <laughs> God's, God's Jehovah trickster. You talk about Jehovah trickster. I tell you, <laughs> Jehovah trickster. And it wasn't long. God had him bowing his knee in the front of the, and leaning on the altar. His whole family came to Christ serving God in all his capacity because man there's a God that will pursue you even when I threatened that hey it's okay if you want to go to hell you can go to hell by yourself but give those kids a chance and God used that as a hook it was a now word those are the kind of things you don't normally say but then God inspires you to say those crazy things like you can go to hell but what about your child you may have an opportunity when you write these names down 
to have a now word for these people and see them come to Christ. Oh, think big, church. Think big. Father, we love you. We go home filled with joy, filled with delight that you're the seeker and the lover of our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. God bless you.